Welcome back to Building the Mock, and I'm your host, Jason Spies. In this next segment, we focused on first responders in the Bakken. For this feature, we talk with Michael Estomo of Spirit Lifeline, Jim Monk, news reporter with KFGO News, Ed McConnell, the mayor of Castleton, Vicki Steiner, North Dakota representative, and U.S. Senator John Hoban. This is Michael Estomo of Spirit Lifeline. Michael Estomo, how are you doing? Good. And you are a pilot for Spirit Lifeline I don't know if it's airlines or what would we call it? Is just Lifeline? Spirit Lifeline. Okay. Yeah, it's an EMS company operated by Medtrans Corporation. And Lifeline, is that a term for medical aviation or medical helicopters? It typical or? is in different different regions. Sometimes they've got different names just um, to differentiate different uh, medical air medical companies. Mm-hmm. Some are Lifeline, some are Care Flights, Life Flights, but in this area we're Lifeline. When did you guys come into uh, Dickinson here? The, this base started June 1st, and its its plan was to get here a little earlier before St. Joe's started to establish ourselves, and so the community knew that the resource was there. And then once St. Joe's is here, our pad is right here, right next to the emergency room at St. Joe's. So from the smaller communities, we'll bring people straight into St. Joe's. And then for more serious injuries or more serious medical problems, We'll take people from St. Joe's and most likely take them to Bismarck. Have you had to take anybody to Bismarck yet? Yes. How often does your lifeline go in the air? Um, we're, we're typically, since since we started in June 1st, not quite once a day, but pretty close. Are they severe accidents or have you... So the misconception about emergency air is that most of the time they're real serious injuries. A lot of times they're just facility to facility transfers. For instance, it's a small town um, 50 miles away, has somebody that um, needs to come to either St. Joe's or Bismarck. If they only have one ambulance, the advantage of having an, an air ambulance in the area is before their one ambulance would be out of service and out of the community for six to seven hours driving somebody from their town all the way to Bismarck or just even to Dickinson. So now an air ambulance can get down there like us, get down there, it leaves their ambulance in service and the patient gets there in a quicker time. So for a lot of injuries, strokes, heart attacks, things like that, it's real beneficial to to be fast, but it also leaves that that service of their ambulance in service for the community. Is it uh, safe to say that one of the advantages that uh, a lifeline would have over say a, a traditional ambulance is time saving? Oh yes. There's no doubt. Getting there, getting to the patient, bringing our medical staff, and then getting them to where they need to be. I'm going to tell you a story, uh, and I just want your comments on it. Uh, we met, we interviewed Mary Hodell. She's the owner of the Farmer's Daughter Cafe in South Hart. Uh, she was in an accident involving an oil tanker. She was pinned to her vehicle. Uh, needed jaws of life to get her out. She was pinned in the vehicle for up to 30 minutes, waiting for the rural fire department to come and help her out. Now... Uh, the old patch is growing. It's having some growing pains. My guess is the, the introduction of Spirit Lifeline is going to really accommodate and help those particular situations where some communities just have a rural fire department to rely on. We're really a, a partner with the rural fire department, so in many cases they have to get to a scene and evaluate if somebody needs an air ambulance first. So while she may still have to wait for them to get there, once they know that they need somebody to get her out of there quick, if she were to have a, a severely broken leg or a puncture wound, internal bleed or something, then the time it saves for them to tell us they need us, us to get there and get her to a facility gets way cut down. 
If the person who phoned in the accident would have phoned in a, an injury out of the gate, would you guys deploy it at that time, or would you have to wait for, say, that fire department or a sheriff or an authority? There, there are certain injuries that the that the authorities are aware of to put us on standby right away. Okay. So head trauma, heart attacks, strokes, they will put us on standby so that we're literally sitting in the helicopter ready to push the start button. So if they come back on the radio after they've confirmed that it's a serious enough injury, we just push the start button and we're off the ground in a few minutes. Mm -hmm. We already know where we're going to go and we've checked the weather, done all our safety things. We have that out of the way so we can get to the scene quickly. This is Jim Monk, news reporter of KFGO News. On major disaster scenes. Let's talk about the, um, the first responder, the heroes, as I like to call them, the volunteer fire, firemen. I mean, that's it, really what it was. These it was, are volunteer firemen. It's, it's all volunteers. Yeah. It's all volunteers. I mean, you, uh, Fargo firefighters were there to lend help, mutual aid as well. But uh, the backbone of this operation was the volunteers from Castleton and all the surrounding small towns, all, all of these individual fire departments responding. Uh, dozens and dozens of volunteer firefighters putting their lives on the line for this thing. How long did the volunteer firefighters um, spray water on this? Well, it, it's, it was around the clock operation from around little after two o'clock on Monday afternoon. Uh, 24 hours later, they were still at the scene, and today they're probably still out there. Mm-hmm. This is Ed McConnell, mayor of Castleton. Comment on the first responders, uh, the, the volunteer firemen, I understand, were the first responders to this? Well, our volunteer fire department is, uh, those fellows do a great job. I mean, they spend countless hours away from their families and, and train, and they're actually, they're very well trained. I, I don't know that, I'm sure they're not trained as well as a professional group, but they're very well trained for what they do in there, and they're well equipped. Have they practiced any training like this with a, with a tanker derailment, whether it be a, a crude oil or a, a anhydrous ammonia like in Minot? Or... We did an anhydrous ammonia one. Summer before last, I think it was summer before last. We've done it. We've done a couple of them. You know, that was that's usually our probably our biggest threat was the railroad for something that was you know going to make you know get make the air bad. So, mm-hmm. so they've they've trained for it, and, and uh, a lot of scenarios like if you know, for instance, if the track gets uh, plugged up, you know, they they, they know they got a plan in place to move equipment around, so they have equipment on both sides and they split up split up their command and so it all went very well it wasn't it wasn't anything unusual to them for as what they were what they were reacting to it just was unusual uh, like because there wasn't any fire to fight i mean that fire is not fightable mm-hmm. and uh, all they could do is is uh, sit back and make sure that that anything that was was in harm's way, you know, didn't go up. And this is North Dakota Representative Vicki Steiner. Emergency situation we have in Mandaree and Alexander, it's uh, the travel time is farther. It's uh, not a very good place to have a car accident. So they are, we are, in fact, um, we have two business plan proposals that we've paid for through uh, DLN Consulting to bring us um, just, just some idea of how many dollars would it take to set up a either a substation emergency station near Mandaree or Alexander on Highway 22 and on Highway 85, or a, either a major substation or a minor. And there's a difference, I guess, in the hours and how many people you need to staff it. But we're going to look at all those options and see if we can help those areas out because right now the um, travel time 
and the volunteers are really stressed in that area. They're covering a lot of accidents. The volunteer system worked so well, but they're getting really stressed, and uh, we got to give them some relief here. So we'll work with them and see what what we can do after these business plans are um, announced to the public and see if they want us to come in and maybe get some energy impact funding, get some full-time, either a paramedic, EMT, station them either at Alexander and maybe on the corner of Mandaree, and that way our travel times are less and um, we can do a better job and help the, and, and, and you know, obviously the oil industry is involved with quite a few of the accidents as well, but um, it's something that we think is is um, missing and something that we can do to help, you know. And this is U.S. Senator John Hoven. Uh, enhance safety in the shipment of crude oil. You mentioned the f- uh, first responders who, uh, from my understanding, did a, just a bang-up job here in Castleton. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I was out there last week and, uh, you know, visited with many of the first responders, not only firemen, sheriff's office, uh, mm-hmm. just so many emergency, uh, uh, all the emergency response folks. And, uh, you know, they really are professional. And, uh, you know, it was cold, and they were out there making sure that people were safe and doing it in a very professional way. And, of course, we're so thankful there was no loss of life. But, you know, obviously, in part, that's because of the, of the tremendous people we have that respond when we have an emergency. And this is U.S. Congressman Kevin Kramer. Perhaps the most impressive thing about the whole incident was how well local officials responded, from the Cass County Sheriff's Office, st- the state regulators... Nice to see you. Good to see you, Rick. Good to see you. We're doing this. This is perfect for for radio. Yeah, good to see you, Rick. We'll leave that in. Yeah. The um, first responders. First responders. So the the North Dakota Emergency Management folks and, you know, the Castleton Rural Fire Department. You know, you're talking about a lot of volunteers as well as some professionals. They responded in a textbook fashion, um, put into place... The uh, all of the plans and their their uh, technology, uh, their systems, and executed it perfectly. In fact, in many respects, some people have been critical because they didn't see it see as much, uh, you know, national state response as they'd like to have seen. And I think if you talk to the Cass County Sheriff Sheriff Laney, he'll tell you that's because we handled it. I tell you, I spent a day in Castleton, and you're not a kidding. The local people were so impressed with the local firefighters. And the first thing you have to do is be prepared for an incident like this, and they were. And so, you're, but you're exactly right. One of the things that I've said through this thing many times is, once again, North Dakota common sense demonstrated to the theorists <laughs> how well it can actually work. And so it was, it's good to be us. So that's, that's the first thing I have to say is just kudos to all those folks. And then, so, so we were in Castleton the next day, and then when we got to Washington, of course, right away, in fact, we were all receiving phone calls from federal officials as well as railroad officials, including the CEO of Burlington Northern Santa Fe, Matt Rose, who I've had several conversations with. We all have. Um, everybody's on board pulling the same direction. You've never seen unity like, like we've seen in this. To listen to the entire feature on first responders of the Bakken or to listen to any one of the interviews at its full length, visit our website, buildingthebakken.com. You decide to take your life